Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. We took a look last week in the first message of our series in this book of Ecclesiastes and realized that Solomon was a man who had it all. He had wealth, he had honor, he had riches, he had glory, he had everything that you might desire to have in your life. And yet he found life unfulfilling, he was unsatisfied, and he was left feeling empty. That was his, his conclusion in verse number two. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That was his conclusion. And when you read chapter one and chapter two, we'll get into this and and uh, keep your Bibles open because we're going to cover the, these entire two chapters. But you'll see the reason why he thought this way. And one of the major emphasis uh, of these two chapters is that nothing in this world will last. Everything in this life that you see is temporary. Every single building will fall one day. Every single business will disappear. All the money that we might collect will be gone one day. And that's what Solomon recognized. He recognized that nothing in this earth will last. In verse number 11, he says, there is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. He's saying, people don't remember what just happened right before. I remember reading a quote that said something like this, the only thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history, you know? And, uh, you know, we read history, we learn about history in school, and yet we seem to fall into the same mistakes again and again as a nation, as people, even as individuals. Sometimes you might think, why did I do that? I knew I wasn't supposed to do that, and I did it again anyway. Yeah, and we forget those things which are before. And what he's saying is the things that will be coming will be forgotten by those that come after that. It's just the nature, the nature of, uh, of what we do. We forget about the things that come before us. And in that, I think Solomon realized that his legacy would not last. That even though we have the inspired scriptures, of course we have these things, but we realize that these things that we used to have and these, these names and, and uh, the legacy that we might leave behind will be quickly forgotten. It won't be remembered. People a hundred years from now will not remember our names. They will not know us. They will not think about us. They might see some of the things that are left behind, but the legacy itself will be gone. And Solomon realized that. In verse number 12, he says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven, and, these, and this sore travail with God, uh, this sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom, and to know madness and folly, and I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. 
He tried to learn all that he could about people, all that he could about life and people and what could be done. And he tried to learn all of these things and he realized none of those things would last. In chapter number two, he continues, I said in my heart, go to now, I'll approve thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure and behold, this also is vanity. And I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I saw in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was that, to see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven of all days, of all the days of their life. He realized that he was chasing after pleasures, and he realized that the pleasures would not last. Whatever it is that he sought to enjoy, he would go out there, he would do it, and in the moment, it would feel good. It would feel great. He would be excited. But then that feeling soon fades away. All of the pleasures that he might enjoy, in the moment, it was great, and then when it was done, it was over, and he realized, these pleasures, they don't last. And I have to seek new pleasures, and I have to get greater pleasures, and he's seeking new and greater and more and better, and it was an endless cycle, and going back to the illustration that I gave before, it's the sun that rises and sets, and then it has to go back and do it all over again. And the rains, they fill up the ocean, and then they go back again. It's this endless cycle, and that's what he felt like. I'm in this endless cycle of, you know, I'm chasing after pleasure, and then I get it, and it feels great in the moment, and then it's over, and now I'm looking again for another pleasure, and another one, and a greater one, and a different one. And he realized, this, this is vanity. What am I doing? spending my days just chasing after this pleasure that is here and then gone, and then I'm left empty, and I'm looking for something more and greater, and I did it again, and it felt great in the moment, and then I felt even more empty. What am I doing? In verse number four, he said, I made me great works. I built me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold, and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces, I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy for my heart rejoiced in all my labor and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and all the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. You know, all of us, we think about our jobs and we all think about our careers and we all think about where we're going. And I think every one of us wants to find meaningful work want to do something and accomplish something and be a part of a team that's doing something, providing a service for people, building a, a, a company, building up a, a, a program, some app or something, or you know, being able to service some people in different ways. We all, we all want to do something and find some meaningful work and be helpful and all of these sorts of things. And, and Solomon was at the pinnacle of, of all of the earth at this time, and he was doing some works that would not be matched and yet when he looked on it, he realized none of this is going to last. 
When you think about all of the buildings and all of the vineyards and all of the orchards and all of the cities and all of the wonderful sites that were there, all of them are gone. Not one of them remains. The temple is gone. His house is gone. These cities are gone. These orchards are gone. These vineyards are gone. The farms are gone. The golden shields that he made, they're gone. Everything that he made was gone. Verse number 12, he says, And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do that cometh after the king, even that which hath been already done? He's saying, the guy that comes after me, how could he top this? Nobody could top this. And it's true, nobody did top that. Verse 13, then I saw that wisdom excels folly as far as light excels darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten, and how dieth the wise man as the fool. You know what Solomon realized? He realized, I have more than anybody. I have more wisdom, more money, more power, more respect, more glory, more accomplishments, and yet he realized, even with all of that, I'm going to die just like everybody else. My life will end just like the most foolish of people. And how does that make me any better than them? My life will end in 70 years, 80 years. After those 80 years are over, I'm going to die just like that man is going to die. And I'm leaving all of these things that I've done that I've done and accomplished and I leave it all behind. I thought, what's, how does that make me wiser than them, greater than them? If we live, we eat, and then we die, what's the point of building up all of these great things in the middle? Verse number 17, therefore, I hated life. He thought about all of these things and his conclusion was, I hate it all. Because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun, this also is vanity. Therefore, I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun, for all his days are sorrows, and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This also is vanity. You know what Solomon is saying? He's saying, why am I working so hard to build up all of these things, 
to leave it to somebody else and I have no idea what they're going to do with it. Are they going to be wise with it? Are they going to be foolish with it? Is it going to last? Is it not going to last? I mean, what is the point of me doing all of these things? And I think the conclusion here from Ecclesiastes 1 and 2 is nothing on this earth that we do will last. Lasting things can only come from God. When we forget about God, whatever it is that we do will not last. It will end. It will die. It will be forgotten. It will not matter anymore if it is done without God. That's why we need to keep God at the center point of our hearts, of our lives, of all that we do. Because if we want to have a meaningful life, one that is not just going to be here and then gone and disappear, it must be done with God. And I want to see a few effects of having God and the difference that it makes in our lives. Well, we have God, number one, we see farther. We can see farther. Obviously, I wear glasses, and I wear glasses for a reason. I've worn glasses since I was about five or six years old, and uh, when you're five years old, glasses are a nuisance. Now I've gotten adjusted to them. This is just a part of my life, but uh, I need glasses. And not just like here and there. I really need glasses. If I don't have glasses, I'm in trouble. I cannot drive without glasses. Uh, if I took off my glasses right now, I could not see any of your faces. I would not be able to recognize any one of you, even those of you that are on the front row. I can't see anything. I can't see anything. I have to have it like right in front of my face. And so I need these glasses in order to be able to see afar off. And when you go get your driver's license, one of the things that they do is they test your vision, right? You say, how good is your vision? Ah, it's perfect. All right, let's see, <laughs> okay? They, they don't take your word for it. They want to know for sure, do you have good enough vision to drive? Because they don't want, and we don't want, nobody wants anybody on the road that can only see this far in front of their face, right? Because cars can come at you fast, right? Something can step out into the street and you're moving 40 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour on the highway, 65 miles an hour, right? We're not going past 65, right? You know, and, you know you're driving fast on the freeway. You want to be able to see in front of you, right? And the thing is, if you can't see that far in front of you, you can't, you can't, live and drive based on what's down the road. You can only drive based on what's right in front of you. And I can only live my life based on what I can see right in front of me. And what living with God does, having that relationship with God, prioritizing God, is it allows us to put spiritual glasses on, if you will, and see farther. So many people in life are living spiritually nearsighted. All they're doing is living based on today, this week, this year, the years of my life. They're only thinking about the things of this earth. But the Bible makes it very clear, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, 
there's something that comes after this. After this life, there's something else. Now the Bible says, but after this, the judgment. We all shall give account of ourselves. And if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, then you will stand before God. God will reward you. If you have not trusted in Christ as your Savior, God will judge your sin. There is eternal condemnation for those that have not trusted Christ as their Savior. And God makes it very clear, speaking to Christians here, we are not to live our lives based on what is right here and right now, but what is in the future. Because only those things that you send to heaven will last. Everything else in this life will be gone. The Bible even says in 2 Peter chapter 1, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Many Christians are living as nearsighted Christians, only living based on today, how much money I can make, how far I can get in my career, all the pleasures I might enjoy in this life, and then they will die and realize all of those things will be burned up and gone. The only things that will be left behind is what I sent into heaven. What does that do for us? Well, it means that we will seek lasting rewards. The pleasures of this life are temporary. The riches of this life are temporary. The experiences of this life are temporary. And really, that's the lure of sin. The Bible makes it clear. The pleasures of sin are real, but only for a, se uh, only for a season. So we ought not to live for those things. We ought to live for things that will last. Job said in, in chapter number one, of Job, he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, Job was the greatest man of the East, and in a day, he lost it all. His kids were taken, his wealth was taken, his buildings were, you know, all of these things. Everything that he had was gone. He had nothing. And his conclusion was, well, I started with nothing, and when I die, I will die with nothing. So what does it matter if in the middle I lose it all? He realized, you know what? I'm going to leave it all behind anyway. Solomon saw life as an endless race that ended where it began with nothing. So why even run? Why even try? Why even go for all of these things? That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So we as believers, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you ought not to live for the treasures and pleasures of this life, but for the things of heaven. But also, I think every one of us wants to make a difference with our lives. We want to make a difference. When you go to your company, you want to make a difference at your company. You want to make a positive difference. In your family, you want to make a positive difference. In your church, you want to make a difference. In your life, in general, you want to make a difference. Well, what is going to make the greatest difference in our lives is when we make an eternal difference. 
Solomon said in, in uh, verse number 12, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sword travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Verse 15, that which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. You know what he said? He said, I see all of these problems in life and I want to fix them. And so he went about to go fix them. He went about his life to go fix the problems that he saw all around him. And when he fixed the problem, you know what he saw? He saw another problem. And then he fixed that problem. And you know what he saw? He saw another problem. It's like whack-a-mole, you know? You whack down one problem and another one appears over there and you go over there and another one pops up over here and he said, this is endless, you know? Why am I whacking these moles of problems when they just keep coming and coming and coming? And he felt empty because he wanted to make a difference, but as he thought back on his life, he thought, really, what sort of difference did I really make? But when we live with God and follow God, we can make a real difference. If we go out and we share the gospel with somebody and they trust Christ as your savior, you have made the greatest difference you could possibly make. It, it might not be recognized in the newspapers. It, not, it might not be celebrated by the world, but you have made an eternal difference that can never be changed. The difference between making an earthly difference and a heavenly difference can be compared to one where you're giving somebody who is sick an Advil versus giving someone the cure for cancer. You give someone an Advil, it feels good for a little while, but it's no lasting difference. You want to make a, a difference in somebody's life? You can give them the gospel. You want to make a difference in someone's life? Encourage them to live for God. God makes it clear that everything that is done in his name will be rewarded by him. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about what God is going to do if we simply follow him and become fishers of men, we can make a difference. If we follow God and we are able to see a little farther, I think it helps us to understand that it is important for us to finish well. If our lives are short and all that we do on earth will be, will be gone, the only thing that will last is what is done for him, then I think it's a reminder for us to finish well. Not to coast in towards the end, not to take it easy in the middle, but to run our race as well as we can, as long as we are here. Because taking it easy in life is like jogging through the last half of a 100-meter race. They say, it's only 100 meters long. Give it all you got. After that, it's over. There's nothing left after that. And God views our life as a vapor. Give it all you got in the time that you have. We see that nothing in life will last. So we need to live for things that will last. That when we live for God, we are enabled in seeing farther. But it also helps us to serve greater. When you read the passages and you read it along with me, I don't know if you noticed this, but did you notice the number of times he uses the word I? 
in chapter 1, verse number 12, I, the preacher. Verse number 13, I gave my heart. Verse number 14, I have seen all the works. Verse number 16, I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate. Verse 17, and I gave my heart. Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse number 1, I said in mine heart to go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Verse 2, I said of laughter. Verse 3, I saw it in mine heart. Do you get the idea what Solomon is all about? You know who Solomon is all about? He's all about me. Because if life is just what is between birth and death, then you should live for yourself. Because that's all there is. If after death there is nothing, then the conclusion is, I should live for myself. And that's what Solomon did. Solomon lived for himself. Pleasures for who? Pleasures for me. Honor for who? Honor for me. Accomplishments for who? Accomplishments for me. Honor and glory for who? Honor and glory for me. That's what he lived for. He lived for what he could get out of life. But the Bible warns us against that. Luke chapter 12 says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. You have so much abundance. You know what you could do? You could help somebody with it. But instead, he just thought, This is what I'm going to do. This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Just enjoy yourself. You've accomplished so much. Just enjoy all of the pleasures that you can. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? See, when we think about eternity, we realize we ought not to live for ourselves. We ought to live for God. Everything that we do ought to be for the Lord. And we don't need to com uh, compare ourselves with each other. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse number 16 is an interesting verse. I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Now, this is an interesting verse. Because Solomon said, I'm greater than anybody in Jerusalem before me, right? But to really understand this, we have to have a short history lesson here. So Solomon is the king of Israel. He's the third king of Israel, okay? He's the third king of Israel. The second king of Israel was his dad, David. David was the second king of Israel. The first king of Israel was Saul. All right, so many of you will know this. Saul was the first king, David was the second king, Solomon was the third king, okay? Now, what Solomon says is, I have been greater than everybody in Jerusalem before me. Now, if you'll know your history, you'll know Saul did not reign in Jerusalem because Jerusalem was not conquered until David was around. When David became king, 
then he conquered Jerusalem, and then it became the capital. Saul did not reign in Jerusalem. David did. So when Solomon is saying, I am greater than all those in, in Jerusalem before me, there's only one person in Jerusalem before him. You know who it was? David. You know what he's doing? He's comparing himself with his dad. He's comparing himself with his father, with the one that was right before him. And it's a tendency for us to compare ourselves, to try to live up to those that were before us, to compare ourselves with those that are around us. And David had spent so many years building things up, not for himself, but for his son. Remember, David said, I want to build a temple for God. And God said, I'm sorry, but you can't build it. But your son will build it. You know what David did? David didn't say, ah, that's his problem then. I'm going to just do what I can. You know what he did? He gathered up as many materials as he could in preparation for his son. And he wanted to give to his son and give as much as he could to his son. He wasn't concerned about, oh, is my son going to be greater than me? His son would be greater than him. And he wanted him to be greater than him. Solomon, though, had the opposite perspective. Remember what he said in chapter number two? I'm going to build up all of this and then give it to somebody who knows whether he's going to be wise or foolish. You know who he's talking about? He's talking about his son. He's talking about Rehoboam. Is my son going to be wise or foolish? I got to leave it to him? You know, you could see Solomon had a totally different perspective from David. You notice what Solomon leaves out of this whole conversation? I was greater than David. You know who gave him all of these opportunities? David. David gave him Jerusalem. David gave him the kingdom. David gave him all of these opportunities. You know what Solomon forgot? He forgot to be thankful. When we only live for this life, it cannot be but be that we begin to focus more and more on ourselves. What I want, what, you know, who I want to be with, and what I want to do. But when we see greater, we can serve God in a greater way. We also study better. Solomon went through this, his life, and towards the end of it, he's realizing, you know what? This was empty. This was vanity. I spent all of my years chasing after these things for what? He spent these two chapters describing all of the things that he did and how he thought, how he saw things. You know, we've read through the verses. I thought and I communed with my heart and I said to my heart, I talked with myself. These are the things that I thought. But he forgot one very important thing until the very conclusion at the end of chapter 2. In verse 23, he says, For all his days are sorrows and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God. For who can eat and who else can hasten hereunto more than I? Here's the phrase, for God giveth to a man that is good, the next three words are, in his sight. Wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail, to gather and to heap up, that he may give it to him that is good before God, this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. The phrase there is, in his sight. Whose sight? God's sight. To him that is good, 
in God's sight? A very good question to ask on a regular basis is this. How does God see this? Not what do I think about it. Not how could you justify it. How does God see it? Chapter 2 emphasized the limitations of Solomon. He was limited in his knowledge, his experience, his accomplishments, his time. But when we understand how limited we are, we should be drawn to the one who is unlimited. You and I can only see so much, but God can see everything. You and I can only be in one place at a time, but God is in every place at the same time. You and I can only do so much, but God can do all things. You and I are limited, but God is unlimited. You know what the unlimited one said? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know what God is saying? God is saying, I know everything there is to know. And I've seen everything there is to see. And I can do everything there is to do. Why don't you ask me what you should do? Doesn't that just make sense? You ever ask your friends and you're like, I don't know what to do. I've never been there before. And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I asked you and you didn't know. And that's okay. That's understandable. But why do we keep doing it when we ask, oh, what, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? When there's somebody who knows the answer to every situation of life, to every problem you might face, who knows every outcome of every decision that you could possibly make in your entire life, Shouldn't we go and ask him? Doesn't that just make sense? I don't know everything. I haven't seen everything. I don't know how things will turn out, but God does. And so he says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. Have you ever thought about asking me? We have different perspectives, humans and God. Life can seem so long, right? You know, you ask little kids, you know, you talk to little kids, they're always saying, are we there yet? <laughs> you know, we're five minutes away. Are we there yet? We're right there, you know, just be patient a little bit. As you get older, then you get a little bit more patient, but still, you know, you, you know, life seems long. Life goes faster and faster as we get older, but still, life seems very long. 70 years. Seems like a long time. 80 years, 90 years. That's a long time. 90 years ago was 19, what is that, 34, okay? 1934 was the Great Depression, right? When you read in history the Great Depression, doesn't it seem like that was an eternity ago? <laughs> that was so long ago. We live in 2023. But God's perspective on our lives is a little different. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You know, from our perspective, life seems, wow, I got so much time. And you know what God says? God says, you don't got a lot of time. We think, I've got so many years ahead of me. And God says, those so many years are like a vapor. It's good for us to get the perspective of God. 
Philippians chapter 2 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When we understand we are limited in life and there is an eternity beyond us, it'll make us think, you know what, maybe I should get God's perspective on this. When we understand God, how unlimited he is, it should humble us as well. Solomon had reached the top. He had reached the top of humanity. And being at the top, he thought he could look down on everybody else. Because look at me. I'm at the top. Look at all of you people. Not as wise, not as wealthy, not as respected, not as glorious. And he thought I could look down on everybody. But when we realize there is a God in heaven that is unlimited, we realize we are nothing. All of us are nothing. Think about how much money you have in the bank right now. Okay. Think about how much money Elon Musk has right now. And you think, wow, he's got so much more than me. I mean, he could give me a billion dollars and not even notice it, and a billion dollars would transform my life and everybody around me. But did you know in the eyes of God, whether you have $1 in the bank or $100 billion in the bank, it's the same? You know, when God looks at $1, he's like, that's not very much. And when he looks at $100 billion, he says, that's not very much. And he looks at you know, companies worth trillions of dollars, that's not very much. In God's eyes, it is nothing. We are nothing. Ephesians chapter 6, God gives some instruction to those that were masters, those that were above. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. You have somebody above you. Neither is there respect of persons with him. You know, God looks at all of us the same. You know, God sees all of us as just little kids. We're just little kids in the eyes of God. Little kids who don't know much. We make decisions that don't make sense to God, but it makes sense to us. Solomon thought he was at the very top, but then he realized, hold on a second. Hold on a second. There's an interesting verse in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is speaking, and he says, The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment of this generation and shall condemn it. For she, come, for she came from the uttermost part of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. God is greater than any man in history because he is God. There's another statement that he made that's interesting. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. You know what John the Baptist had? He didn't start the largest company in the world. He didn't live in luxury resorts. He didn't drive fancy cars. He didn't own nice watches. He didn't go and travel around the world. He didn't get to enjoy fine cuisine. He didn't get to wear the nicest clothes. He didn't get to do any of those things. 
But you know what he did? He preached the word of God and prepared the way of the Lord before Jesus. You know what Jesus said? Greater than Solomon was this man. It would do us well to gain the perspective of God, to understand what is, what is great and who is great. And it will help orient us around the right thing. We are not at the center of our universe. You know, for a long time, a lot of people thought that the earth was at the center of the universe. They thought the planets revolve around us, the stars revolve around us, the sun revolves around us, and then they realized the earth is not at the center of the universe. We revolve around the sun. And then they began to discover we're not at the center of our galaxy. And then they realized we're not at the center of the universe. We're not at the center of anything. And it would do us well to realize we're not at the center. God is at the center. And we revolve around him. And we ought to orient ourselves around him and realize what is God doing? What is God doing? Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse number 26. For God giveth to a man. He forgot about what God was doing. He was so focused on all that he was doing, he forgot about all that God was doing. Because he was talking about, I have riches, I have glory, I have wisdom, I have all of these things. Do you know where he got those things? He got those things from God. Do you remember when he first became king? Remember, God went to him in a dream and he said, what do you want, Solomon? And Solomon said, I'm just a little kid trying to rule over this country. I need wisdom to rule over your people. And God says, I will give you wisdom. But beyond that, I'm going to give you riches and honor so that there shall not be any among the king like unto thee all thy days. You know what he's, Solomon is saying? Oh, look at all that I did. I, I have this and I have that and I did these things and I accomplished this and I got wisdom and I have all of these things. You know where he got it from? He got it from God. It's easy for us to forget all that God does for us. You know, when you ask some of these young people, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, we'll say all sorts of things. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be, you know, a firefighter. I want to be this. I want to be that. You know, 200 years ago, if you asked a question to little kids in this country, you know what they said? What are you talking about? My dad was a farmer. My grandfather was a farmer. My great-grandfather was a farmer. Everybody I know is a farmer. All of my siblings will be farmers. What do you mean? <laughs> We're all going to be farmers, you know? A long time ago, we would have just been whatever everybody else was, a farmer. Now today, we have opportunities, not because of what we did, but because of what so many others have done. And God enabled all of those things. Primarily, God enabled all of these things. In Daniel chapter number four, Nebuchadnezzar had to learn a lesson. King Nebuchadnezzar said, look at me, look at all of these things that I did. But then God had to teach him a lesson. And it came, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Look at all that I did. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom that you're so proud about 
is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. And seven times, seven years shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. You know what Nebuchadnezzar forgot? He forgot about God. And it's so easy for even believers to forget about God. Solomon forgot about God and he lived life without God and concluded life without God is empty. And the conclusion is live your life with God. You will see farther, serve better, and see things from God's perspective.